0: Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, from the New Living Translation. Verse 13, if you are wise and understand God's ways and prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is a selfish ambition in your heart, Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Here ends the Bible reading for today.
1: Thanks, Lorraine. Thank you, Lorraine. Well, we're in a series of messages called Unstuck. Unstuck as we uh, face the giants of life, unstuck in uh, our uh, schedules unstuck in our finances and we've talked about a number of different areas and today, unstuck in our relationships unstuck in our relationships. I'm just going to have to say this to you up front I'm not going to be able to process these five verses in James 3 this morning without buying some extra time Take it! oh. You say, what is he saying? To put your minds at ease, I'm going to have to come back to the passage next week so we could see this as part one and part two. I know you're going, sigh of relief. I thought he meant. No, I won't go there. These are mind-blowing verses. And I would really feel badly if we didn't take the time to hear what God might be saying to us in the area of relationships. These verses that Lorraine read give you a foundation of how to build relationships that you won't find anywhere else in your pathway of life. Man, these are great verses. And when you first look at the the passage, you might be inclined to think, well, these verses really aren't about relationships, are they? And of course, then as you look closer, you say, oh, yeah, they are. They are, but just from a different perspective the verses are about wisdom. How does wisdom play out in this world? Wisdom is almost always played out in the arena of relationships. Do you agree? Wisdom is almost always played out in the arena of relationships. Wisdom is a way of relating. We relate to one another effectively when we're wise with one another. So wisdom is more connected to what you do than what you think. Sometimes I know we think that wisdom is related to intelligence. We're inclined to believe that the wise person is very smart academically, very educated. But that's not necessarily true. It may be true, but on the other hand, the world is full of educated fools. Did I say that? The world is full of educated foolishness. I mean you can have all kinds of knowledge and still be foolish. As one guy said, you can have so many degrees they call you Dr. Fahrenheit, but the way you deal with people is very crazy. You you know you might get to know an absolutely brilliant scientist one day and you think, wow, a man or woman that brilliant must surely be wise in the way they handle their personal lives and it could be that their family life is a mess or the relationships with their colleagues is a disaster. And then of course there are some brilliant, brilliant people who are also wise in their relationships and you have a conversation with them and they have a way of connecting with you and opening their heart to you and listening to you like you are the only significant person in their life And it's incredible. They are smart and they are wise. Wouldn't it be great to have both of them? (laughs) I mean, here I am at this age. I know it's too late for this one. The only hope I have is to learn to be wise someday. That's a challenge. So when the Bible talks about wisdom, it's almost always in the context of relationships. Now, there are really two parts to the passage. Actually, the first part could be framed as the stuck part, and the second section, verses 17 and 18, as the unstuck part. It kind of works, stuck and unstuck. I actually like how the passage unfolds in the Living Bible, and it's on the screen. And you can see the two parts to the passage. One is the part where we are stuck. It's the earthly wisdom. It's the very unspiritual wisdom, even demonic. And then you'll see the unstuck, which is verses 17 and 18, as the kind of wisdom, oh, that we would so love to incorporate into our lives from day to day. So let me just read it again as you observe the text. Verse 13, if you are wise, live a life of steady goodness, so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about them, then you will be truly wise. And by all means, don't brag about being wise and good if you are bitter and jealous and selfish. That's the worst sort of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, inspired by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every kind of other kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure and full of... Quiet gentleness. Then it's peace loving and courteous. It allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It's wholehearted and straightforward and sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. The more I, I read those verses this week, the more I was just reminded of how inspired uh, the Word of God is. Those gems are in the Bible. And, uh, you know, we get to read the Bible every week. And uh, we're so blessed when you stop to think about it. We're so blessed. It kind of just hit me between the eyes again this week. The gift of the Word. That you, you get the privilege to read gems like this every week. And if you just do that week by week by week by week, that Word gets into your heart and, and produces wisdom and uh and God makes those truths very real in your life. So first of all, strive to be wise. Strive to be wise. We, we want to strive to be wise. That's one of the major goals of our life, is to live wisely. James says, If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. The English... Uh, Standard Version asks the question, Who is wise and understanding among you? And the assumption is that you would want to be wise. I think that would be the desire of your heart and my heart. That would be a goal for living. Do you find yourself in a place where you always feel like you're calling out for wisdom? Anybody in that place these days? I sure am. My journal is just constantly filled with, Lord, wisdom. Would you give me wisdom? Do you find yourself constantly saying, Lord, I don't know how to go about this assignment in life. I don't know how to figure this out. I need you so much. I need your wisdom. I find myself calling out for wisdom all the time. Lord, I need you. I need you. And we don't quite know how God is answering that prayer in our lives as we call for wisdom from God. Sometimes we feel like we're completely lacking that we miss it so badly. It's hard to gauge how we're doing and we're our own worst critics. We can see wisdom growth in others but not in ourselves. Not so much. Have you heard the expression, it's a woodsman's proverb, a tree is best measured when it's down. A tree is best measured when it's down. In other words, the true size And quality of a tree's lumber can best be determined after it's been felled. I mean it's hard to estimate when the tree is standing. Oh you get a much more accurate look when the tree is on the ground. You see how big it is, how expansive it is. The true measure of a person's accomplishment can be seen at the end of his or her life. You see how they've lived their life. You see you see the decisions that they've made. You see the effectiveness of their lives. And when you put this expression up against the life of Solomon for example I mean a tree is best measured when it's down it's quite interesting. Solomon took the throne of Israel after his father David died. And Solomon, as you know, at his zenith, had no equals. He was brilliant. He was an author. He was a diplomat. He was a poet. He was a politician. He was an architect. He was an engineer. Incredible. Right across this spectrum of disciplines. He was multi-talented. And when he inherited the kingdom from his father, God appeared to him in a vision one night asking saying ask for whatever you want for me to give you second chronicles 1 7 ask for whatever you want me to give you I mean can you imagine God posing a question like that to you or to me if God would come to you in the middle of the night and say just ask me for whatever you want me to give you wouldn't that be something Have you thought about your response? Maybe you should get prepared because he might ask you. Well, Solomon revealed what what he was like on the inside, his character, his integrity when he answered, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can rule this great people of yours? Or in the New International Version, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. What he was saying is, Lord, I'm just overwhelmed by this responsibility that you handed to me. And I think I'm going to cave unless I get some help from you. Lots of help. More than anything else, I need wisdom. I need practical insight into all the complexities of life so I can govern your people well. That's it, Lord. That's, That's all I ask. And that's what we love about Solomon. We feel connected to a guy who honestly puts his humility out on the table. He opens his hands and says, Lord, I don't have it all. I don't have it together. I can't do this job unless I I, I get some wisdom from you. And God loved that response. And Solomon was blessed beyond measure in every area of his life because he gave that kind of response. Because he wanted to be wise. Would you like to be wise? I have no doubt of your answer. We strive to be wise. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all walk out of here this morning just doubly sensitive to the fact that one of the greatest things we could ask for in our lives is wisdom. I doubt there is anyone here this morning that doesn't have some complex issue that you're facing. And if you knew the answer to it right like that, well, you wouldn't need any extra wisdom. But you haven't got the problem solved. You haven't got the relationship solved. You don't quite know where to go next with it. And you find yourself humbling your heart before God and saying, I don't know the answer. I'm stumped. But will you give me your wisdom? I'm setting my heart before you, Lord. And without your wisdom, I could make some big mistakes. Well, a thousand years later, after Solomon asked for wisdom from God, this man, James, picked up the pen and he wrote, And you know, they were on the same page. I imagine that had something to do with the Holy Spirit's guidance, don't you think? And he said, if in the process, any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, he has only to ask God, who gives generously to all men and women without making them feel foolish or guilty. I love that. And he may be quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him. That's from the Phillips translation. That's in the first chapter of James. And interesting how the writer comes right back to the theme in chapter 3. And he asks the question, Who among you is wise and understanding? Now all of us want to be wise and understanding. James instructs the wise, wise person to demonstrate wisdom by good behavior. And by doing life with humility, living life with humility, moving in the flow of relationships with humility. I remember when our girls learned to drive. Um, Dad took them for a drive out on the farm in wide open spaces where we wouldn't run into anything. And I remember teaching Angela in the church parking lot. She was learning to brake, then she would step on the accelerator and move ahead, then she would brake, and I was just (laughs) back and forth and back and forth. Sudden stops, jerky starts. It takes a while to get the feel of it, but then gradually it evens out. You start to get the hang of it. It just takes some practice. The girls didn't perfect their driving in one or two driving training sessions, but they got better and better and better and better. And we survived our relationships as well as father and daughters. None of us can drive the road of life perfectly. We need God's direction to negotiate the road ahead. And we learn as we travel along how to tap into God's wisdom, we see it more clearly as the years go by. One of the things that happens as we open up to God's wisdom is that we begin to see more effectively from His perspective. We begin to see what blesses and pleases the heart of God. And we we begin this sense of understanding in our, our heart of what is very precious to God. And then we make life's decisions based on that understanding. Of what's precious to God. And that is wisdom. Sometimes we think that wisdom just appears out of nowhere. And sometimes, praise God, it does. It is a revelation of of things that comes to us. And and we say, well, where did that come from? I had words that I I never even thought of. I didn't even understand myself. and And I found myself saying that. That is an exception. That is a wonderful exception. That doesn't happen all the time. We can't conjure up godly wisdom on the spur of the moment. That's not how it works. We want to pull the ripcord of God's wisdom when we're falling through the air, but that's not how it works. Wisdom is a process. Wisdom is a process. King Solomon dedicated the first chapter of Proverbs to wisdom and he said, Wisdom is calling out to you, listen, I'm prepared to share my heart with you so you can be wise. I'll I'll tell you what I want to say to you, Solomon says. So listen up. But then he says, But you ignored my advice. I wanted you to learn. I have things for you to learn. And, And what he's saying is that you gain wisdom through the years if you're willing to open up your heart and if you're open. But it's a process, it's a process. James is saying the same thing as Solomon in verse 13. Wisdom is applying God's truth to everyday circumstances. It's taking the data in your head and getting it down to your feet. It's more than acquiring knowledge. You can go to school and acquire knowledge, but it's possible to have all those degrees and yet be in kindergarten in the wisdom department. We strive to be wise. James says in verse 13, if you are wise and understand God's ways, it says, if you say you are wise, if you say you get it, if you say you understand the ways of God, then the test is to prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes out of wisdom. Simply said, godly wisdom reveals itself wherever your feet hit the ground wherever your feet hit the ground. It's the skill of living in a wholesome way as you journey along. There is a transmission from your head to your actions. Wisdom is not a philosophical system that is unrelated to life. It is the skill of living well with what God has given us. It is applying God's truth to everyday circumstances. It is taking the data in your head and getting it down to your feet. Prove it, James says, by living an honorable life. Love the way Peterson says it in the message. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. So first, strive to be wise. Secondly, wisdom that gets you stuck. There are two kinds of wisdom that is outlined in the Bible. We'll flesh this out next week, but let me just do a fly through here about 20,000 feet. There are two kinds of wisdom that are mentioned in the scripture. One is the wisdom that's from the earth. It is unspiritual and sometimes it is demonic. It sounds very good. That's why it's so dangerous. It's easy to buy into it because it's all around us. It's the wisdom of the planet and it's the wisdom of philosophies that kinda get traction over the years and before long it's accepted as the real wisdom. And we get trapped by this way of thinking. Even as followers of Christ, we live among this earthly wisdom so much, we get so used to it, it's just in our minds, in our ears, in our eyes all day long that we begin to adopt it into our behavior. It takes some discernment to say, This is not God's wisdom. Verse 14, But if you are bitterly jealous and if there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I mean... Some people turn to the horoscope in the newspaper to see where they should be headed in life. Some Christians do that. Oh, you know, it comes with a bit of flippancy. Oh, I just enjoy, you know, I just kind of look there to see what they say. You know, I don't take it very seriously. But yet, they turn to that page repeatedly. Some get connected to the psychic network for advice and help. That's not where you hear from God. Sometimes we try to put a foot in both worlds. We add the Christian faith to what we already believe so that we have a bit of a mixture. It's called syncretism. Marrying together often contradictory teachings but being okay to say, I'll take it all. After all, it's 2015. Take it all. That's not the wisdom of God. Do you realize that a very large percentage of rat bait is good food? It's not the food that kills the rats, but it's that very small percentage of poison that gets them. In the same way, even a little bit of planet wisdom mixed with God's wisdom spells spiritual weakness. Where do we get our wisdom? James talks about an earthly wisdom but it's a wisdom that gets us stuck and we're going to take a moment next week to really examine what that earthly wisdom looks like and then finally wisdom that gets you unstuck let me cruise by verses 17 and 18 for a moment because this is the second kind of wisdom that is underscored in the Bible the wisdom that gets you unstuck is God's wisdom you want to know what God's wisdom really looks like it's amazing it's transforming it impacts relationships Because it's so refreshingly wholesome. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle. It is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. I mean, that's God's wisdom. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. And that's the translation of wisdom. You see, we often put this word wisdom so high up on the shelf that we think we don't have it. But you do have it if your life is pure. You do have it if you're peace-loving. You do have it if you're gentle, if you're willing to yield to others. It's how you live. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians five fifteen and 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, making the most of every, every opportunity in these evil days. Want to do an interesting exercise? The Bible says, on average, a person can expect to live to 70 years or maybe 80. With a limited number of years on this planet, we should indeed value our days so we can be wise before God. So here's a little exercise. You can do the calculations at home. I know some of you will do them right now. Multiply the number of days in a year by 80. Then figure out your age in days and subtract it from the number of days in an 80-year lifespan. I did the calculation, 29,200 in an 80-year lifespan. 29,200 days in an 80-year lifespan. Now, you take your age, take the number of days, subtract it from 29,200 and see what you got left. And you realize you have a finite number of days remaining in which to accomplish what God wants you to do. Now, if you're here this morning and you're over 80... Bonus! Every year, every day is a bonus of what you can be doing for God. Bonus years. Bonus days. Take them and be blessed. I love it. I need the reminder. We get so used to living day by day that we keep our heads down and hardly realize the time is dwindling away. And that exercise reminds me that each day Day counts. And how do we live wisely? James helps us tremendously in verses 17 and 18, but we'll develop that next week.